Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So you have all of like the things that you've bought in town. I remember to follow up on those plot threads and it is, I think just before the afternoon now, which means you have time to accomplish what you need to accomplish before the Mariners fleet starts to arrive. I will allow each of you, except for Travis probably well actually allow each of you to tell me what you would like to do before the mariner arrives realizing that Travis will need to go to Margaret and get his hand all sorted out will Travis's hand stuff be happening during battle or is it it will it will hopefully happen before battle but it might overlap a little bit if things go awry Okay, well, I feel like I can't I can't remember the particulars uh, uh the specifics of like the conversation that I had with Adrian at Adrian's place, but Jonathan would love to just like maybe talk with Adrian and get Adrian to just kind of catch Adrian up to speed with like what's going on and seeing if there's any way to like have her on standby to be like if things break bad, use your influence to get people on our ship. Okay. Okay. And, and that's, that's the thing that you'd like to tell her. Cause like the thing that you're dealing with right now is you are planning, at least from what I've gathered to fight off the Mariner's forces until hopefully the Mariner himself arrives, mm-hmm. at which point you are going to give him some bog wine and wait for the bells to ring, signaling the end of the festival. Maybe I'll amend that to be like, what, Ever Adrian can do to clear the square uh, mm-hmm. that is possible, maybe we tr- track that down. Okay. I, I think that it seems well within Adrian's power. So that can be what Jonnet wants to do. Um, Gable or Travis, any other plans to uh, sort of shore up your, your readiness for this coming fight? Um, I would like to with me and another person to scope out the Il Sanguadio to see how able it is to be commandeered. Oh, that's interesting. 
I would maybe be interested in accompanying you only to to kind of get you aside to talk to you briefly. Okay. That is perfect. So with that, uh, the rain is falling and Jonnet, suddenly you remember Adrian, this woman in town who believes you are a prophet sent from the heavens in order to deliver, God, what's the fucking word? Deliverance. Salvation, God damn it! In order uh, to deliver, uh, hold uh, here you go, James. It's a plaque. It says mm-hmm. you remember. Oh, to salvation. You remember a, so a common keep- word. <laughs> we have to keep all of this in because you made a joke. Uh, who believes that you are sent from the slain God and the heavens to deliver salvation to this town, and this town needs to ready itself. Ah, Adrian. Who? Uh, the the woman from the church. Oh, what about her? Well, she's got ties to the entire town. She might be able to, I don't know, clear a path for us. Uh, just help get the city, uh, the people here more ready for, you know, if things get bad. Yeah. Oh. Thunder yes. sounds in the distance. Uh, I, I'm just going to go show up with her. Okay. Be quick about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to run there. You run so fast. <laughs> Jonnet takes off. <laughs> there is a Jonnet-sized puff of smoke that hangs there mm-hmm. for a second, and then it's gone. Good. Good. Anime My favorite boy. thing about the way uh, Jonnet runs is that he spins around real fast like a little tornado. And, um, (laughs) 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 oh, hate it. Uh, with this, Gable is looking across the docks to the Il Sanguidio, which is under its own smaller, now appropriately sized tarp. Okay. So I will argue that because we were inside the guts of the ship, we probably already know quite a bit about it. I agree. So we probably know how many people are currently on it, how well armed it is, and good entry points. Would yeah, you agree? I, I I'd say that you know uh, the ship has got somewhere between twenty and thirty cannon. Uh, it is. Uh, I I might have said more cannons before. I really should write things down. Eh. Maybe I did. Maybe I did, but you know, honestly, it doesn't matter. You you know that this ship is a ship designed to rain down cannon fire on targets beneath it. This is a ship that is specifically designed to take on challenges like the Mariner. Um, hmm. And because of that, it is as well outfitted for this task as you could imagine. Unfortunately, like the crew itself, this is a kind of skeleton crew. You estimate that there are probably somewhere around 20 soldiers aboard. There are probably three to five like religious attendants, essentially glorified butlers for the lacrima. And there are probably about 10 Ariners who, you know, are red feather trained people who know how to fly a ship like that. Eesh. So what we need to figure out is how many people we would need to take to both take down all the 
occupants, but also to write it out. That is a lot right. of people. I mean, you know, G- Gable is kind of a thembo, but well, not kind of a thembo. Gable's a thembo, yeah. but uh, Gable also is a pirate thembo. Uh, so you would know that typically what pirate ships do to get their way is simply threaten overwhelming force to get other ships to back down. It might be simply a matter of posturing and, you know, declaring that the Uhuru is going to take over this ship. Or could we provide one single distraction that draws them all out and then when they turn around, oh boy, the ship's already gone. Yes, uh, to do that, you would need a big pizza. You'd need at least six people. Two pizzas. uh, Because you would need people to help you stoke up the engines aboard this ship and get it into the air to pull away without the soldiers or other religious officials inside. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, something important to remember is that the Lacrima and his people are not expecting the Mariner to show up. Or if the Mariner shows up, they don't think he can possibly threaten this area. So it's likely that a bunch of them are still in town going about their business, enjoying what little of the festival there is and all the rain. So it might not be a full party. Yeah. Okay. So Gable is looking at this. Who else is around them? Travis is there. Travis, I think, is at Gable's. I mean, I'll let, I'll let Johnny describe it. But Johnny, what does Travis look like right now? Because I think you've got things that need to be said to Gable. Uh, well, first of all, he looks great in his new coat. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some preening pride there. Yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, I think he's a little, um, honestly, a little quieter than usual. Surprisingly, um, just a little more reserved. Yeah, Gable, I think you were muttering something out loud that really opened you up to uh, an insult that Travis likes to levy on you. And he just doesn't take the opportunity. Gable turns to Travis. Can I help you? You don't you don't like this stuff. So you can go. You can like find John it or hang with the the birds. I don't Okay, goodbye. Go go shoo. Bye-bye. Well, I uh actually wanted to talk to you. Again? I know. <laughs> but hey, hopefully it's the last time. All right. Listen, can it it wait, though? Because I'm trying to figure out how to take over a church ship. If it can wait until... Not really. Oh, is it? Yeah. There are a few things we need to discuss before... You know, everything can happen. Okay. Um, 
Go ahead. And I want you to know first, I want you to know two things. The things that I'm about to tell you are true. But I'm only telling you them because I have to and not because I want to. I would never assume you would do something nice out of the goodness of your heart. (laughs) I didn't say they were nice things, but they are. Mm. Very, very very kind of you to assume. You've got to speed this up. I will leave. I will jump into the water right now. Well. Gable's got a leg over (laughs) (laughs) No, wait, wait. I need to jump after I tell you. First of all, and I know you know this, so it's, it's honestly ridiculous that I need to say it out loud at all. But you still because, do, don't you? But you're, you're my friend. And you're one of the only true friends I've ever had. Travis feels, as he says that, the hum of the energy that Margaret builds in the air surrounding the two of them. Uh, And we can actually see uh, as the audience that the red string that uh, represents the energy that Margaret controls is right now winding its way around Gable and Travis and drawing them closer together. It feels very natural to reach your hand out to Gables to hold it. And I need you to know that I won't let you be alone. And with that, Travis raises an arm with a pinky extended forward, as I'll remind the two players, uh, in order to make the promise to Jonnet earlier, Margaret had to tie string around their interlocked pinkies in order to solidify the promise as part of the spell. And I think I asked Margaret this, what, is it going to fail because I can't die? So Margaret, what Margaret said to you is that, uh, Failure is not the same as breaking a promise. Um, gotcha. And, you know, even even if, like, you can't die, Travis promising that he will not let you, uh, uh, that he will not leave you alone, that might represent Travis deciding that he will remain a changeling in order to keep the promise, essentially. Gable holds up their pinky. Well, William, I accept your promise. Me, I run the lighthouse. You're the daughter of a fisherman. We keep our eyes fixed on the water and our heels on southern land. I'm never, never much for talking, and it seems you're just the same. We share the shore, maybe someday more, be it glance or house or name. Me, I run the lighthouse. You're the daughter of a fisherman. We keep our eyes fixed on the water and our heels on solid land. 
I'm never much for talking, and it seems you're just the same. We share the shore, maybe someday more, be it Gladstone House or name. Uh, but Travis doesn't know that you can't die right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gables you're line. you're going to try and keep that secret. That's yep. Okay. Uh, okay. Then then pink pinky time. So your pinkies interlock, and the two of you can feel invisible strings wrap their way around your arms, and you feel closer to one another. Maybe you have been drawn physically closer in performing this act, but there is an intangible closeness that now exists between you two, vibrating and humming. Well, I see you two have already gotten the party started without me. Ah. Ah. Where, where is she? Where She's... Is she? Standing on the end of the gangplank, calling up to you softly. Margaret, how did did you do that? I told you how I did it. Uh, She flicks her pinky and you can feel like on your fingers a string pull a little bit. We're connected. I can't have this. Margaret, I can't. What do you mean? I can't. But then, then I'm part of... I thought it was just... Ugh. Fine. Gable, you were connected to Travis the moment you met each other. It was a weak connection and it could have been broken, but you two kept running into each other. So now it's very strong. Uh, she says this. So are you going to... the gangplank. Stronger than almost any connection I could imagine. Hmm. So are you going to jump now or... <laughs> no, Fine. <laughs> what? Nah. You two have a conversation. I'll be... I I need to leave. <laughs> Goodbye. And Gable jumps over the What? <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut over to Jonnet. <laughs> yeah, Jonnet is just going to go back to Adrian's front door. Mm-hmm. And then he, he's kind of like... Thinking to himself, he's like, how to go about this, how to go about this, uh, in for a penny, in for a pound, and knocks on the door. There is some shuffling behind the door. Uh, an older woman opens the door and blinks out at you. It is not Adrian. This is not Adrian's place. Adrian is merely renting a room in this place. Well, what do you want? What? No, that's Bill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, bud? You uh, I'm okay? dying. We're all dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I help you? Uh, hi. I'm I'm looking for Adrian. Um, she's uh she lives here. I think. Oh yes, yes. Please come inside. Come inside. Can I offer you tea or coffee? Uh, yeah. I'll I'll take a coffee. Uh, so Jonnet, uh, I love a cool teenager who drinks coffee. <laughs> There's got any cigarettes? From- <laughs> no, Jonnet, no, no cigarettes don't exist in sphere. Remember, 
We established that. Oh, yeah. uh, and coffee teams are rope. always so intimidating coming into homeroom with their coffees. She sets a percolator on a iron stove that also serves as a heating source for this place. And the pot like slowly starts bubbling as she makes her way around her kitchen. And she calls up, Margaret, there's someone here to see you. Adrian. Adrian, there's someone here to see you. Too many NPCs for me to, <laughs> to keep track of. We'll be out of here soon. <laughs> You're a wizard, man. Doing great. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, what's this? Uh, it's a plaque yeah. from Johnny, and it says, <laughs> I barely remembered two names. Great. Good. Janet <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, kind of is just like, walking around, uh, trying to like just mind the space. But then he's also having a little bit of just like dread, just seeing another face of a person in Nordia that will be at risk in the coming hours. Uh, And so just very kind of like sheepishly, he's just like, how long have you lived here in Nordia? I've lived here all my life, all oh. 60 years. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. I'd love to hear about it some other time. You asked. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I know. I, I wasn't I, planning I re- on launching into my whole life story. <laughs> I Please don't. I only want the spark noted version of it. <laughs> <laughs> Later. <laughs> I'm waiting for Adrian. Adrian makes her way down the stairs. She turns and her eyes brighten when she sees Jonnet. She hurries down and sits across the table from him. Oh, good. You've come. Yes, I, I've returned. And I come with another prophecy. Uh, with that, like, I, I think when Adrian's eyes brightened as they fell on you, uh, the older woman kind of smiled and, and moved herself to another part of this house. And the coffee starts to percolate. Adrian moves over to the stove, grabs some mugs, and, and pours a cup for each of you. Well, I... I am ready to hear it uh, and willing and able to assist you in whatever way I can. Great. That's exactly what I need to hear. This is going to be fast, but there may be a time today that this town's going to be in a lot of danger. And that danger very well, very may well be coming up from Lower Nordia into Upper Nordia and culminating in the square. Do you think that you could make it so that square is open, that no one could get harmed in that square if it happens? What sort of danger are you talking about? The kind that... The kind of danger that puts Nordia's fate in the balance and the people that live there. She pauses to think. So you just need people to bar themselves inside their doors? It's a festival week. It's going to be very difficult. They'll they'll take a lot of convincing. 
Exactly, which is why I'm here talking to you. All right, we're strangers from from nowhere. All right, these people don't they don't know us from Adam. All right, if 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 any kind of orders for a community to to band together and follow instructions were to come from anyone, it it needs to come from someone who's with them, who's one of their own. And I think, I believe that that person could be you. What about Il Sanguadio? The, the Lacrima is here. Surely he'll be able to help defend the town. It has to be from someone who cares about Nordia. All right, if there's any kind of doubt, then who's to say that the people won't just toss off another opinion? Uh, uh, who, who's to say that the people won't toss off an order as just an, a suggestion? All right, we need someone who's been here, who has given their time, and who cares. And everyone knows that they care. And, and that's you, Adrian. I just need to know that I can count on you. She sits back in her chair, a very worried expression on her face, and she puts her mug of coffee down on the table. The the doctrine of the church says that when wrath comes upon you, it is the wrath of the God that no longer is. If there's a dark fate that is to be visited on this town, is it not the result of our sin? Shouldn't we meet it gladly? What you do with your life is your choice, all right? But it's my hope that in having you uh, get these people, get these people a message, you're giving them that choice. I... I think that's the most important thing here, all right? We need to let the people know. We need to inform them and then let them do what they're going to do. Um, Okay, so what you are up against right now is Adrian really trusts you and, in fact, thinks that you are sent from uh, heaven down to earth to save people. But you are also fighting against years of reading toxic dogma from the Book of Sovereignty. So you're going to have to make a leadership check uh, to knock her out of this. (laughs) I am going to say that this is a hard check, but you do get two blue dice on it because you have like shown yourself to be like, like you've, you've, you've essentially performed uh, signs and wonders. Like she has every reason to believe that you're a prophet. Word. Okay. Uh, that is one success and one advantage. Heck yeah. What do you say to her that lets her know that, Maybe the things that she's been reading or perhaps even the lacrima has told her in her letters aren't as important as the things that you're saying to her right now. Adrian, maybe, just maybe, what's most important isn't in what you have been told second, third hand. 
but what you've seen and experienced. All I can do is ask you to trust me, and up to this point, have I not been trustworthy? She's finally able to meet your eyes. She stares into Jonnet's bright and earnest face, and she wipes away what looks like a tear and nods resolutely. You're right. They are my flock and I will shepherd them. It's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I've got a new book coming out this year, the Ultimate Micro RPG Book. It's an anthology of 40 different small RPGs that are two pages or less, designed by some of the most talented people I admire from around the industry. Right now, my publisher, Adams Media, an imprint of Simon & Schuster, is giving away a sample of the book. If you head to bit.ly slash microsample, you'll be able to download a free copy of It Wants Souls, designed by Quinn Murphy. It Wants Souls is an RPG based on films like Insidious and The Conjuring, about a family who enters a haunted home and contends with a supernatural force that wants to claim one of their souls. It's a great game, and right now you can get it for free. While you're at it, you can also enter to win a free micro RPG book dice bag. Just head to bit.ly slash microsample, and you can also make sure you pre-order a copy of the Ultimate Micro RPG book by heading to bit.ly slash ultimate micro RPG. These books should be selling wherever you buy your books, so if you want to support a local brick and mortar, just call them up and let them know you want to pre-order for November. Before we get back to our episode, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our back on Patreon. First up, we've got a name correction. Bridget Igo, thank you so much. Chris Reeves, thank you. Zane Walters, thank you so much. Aaron D. Caterino, thank you. James Burchill, thank you so much. Jessica Theveslian, thank you very much. Kayla Sandstrom, thank you. Alexander Lamers, thank you so much. Deirdre Fine, thank you. Andrew Wenzel, thank you so much. And Kelly Pelchesny, thank you very much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. Also, listeners, I just want to take a quick second and send a huge thank you to Casey Tony. He has been working so hard this week, and I deeply, deeply appreciate it. If you also appreciate it, and you've got some extra cash to spend, I recommend supporting him on Coffee. Uh, that is ko-fi.com slash Casey. Just throw him an extra cup. He could really use it. He's been working so hard, and it feels like the universe has been getting in his way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back. 
Back in the Sky. She gets up immediately and goes to grab a cloak from the wall that is has embroidered on it the symbol of the Church of the Slain God. And Adrian, the inlet to Lower Nordia, has is there ever been a time when they were blocked off? Uh, I mean, not that I can remember. There are only a few staircases that move up from Lower Nordia. There's been less and less cause to visit the lower regions except for services which we only meet in the cave during special occasions or when people need to gather salt okay well it's good to know that uh maybe they aren't used as much as they norm uh, they have been in the past should we be blocking off the staircases if you can, if you've got some able-bodied people to do that, that would that would help a lot, so much. I think with your success, Adrian has agreed to go out and inform everyone who will listen that they need to bar their homes. And with the advantage you rolled, she'll be able to muster a small number of townspeople to build barricades along the staircases leading from Lower Nordia. Cool. We're going to cut over to uh, Travis and Margaret. Travis, Margaret is standing next to you on the deck of the Uhuru, wide-eyed as uh, Gable has sort of jumped over the side of the ship and like... You know, basically in the production of this Gable, like it was replaced in a shot with a rag doll that like just kind of falls <laughs> in a quick cut. Those, they do this all the time. It's just like this re- is we're going, I'm going to save brain energy by just falling. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go limp. Gable is a, a living crash test dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and we've established before that people on this crew love to dramatically jump off of the deck. So th- this is yeah, this is nothing uh, unusual. Margaret looks over to Travis and gives him a smile. It seems we're alone. It does. I felt earlier that you said some very difficult things. Um. I did. It wasn't easy and it wasn't fun, but it was necessary. Well, I want you to know that I'm proud of you. Thank you. But there is still work to do because, Mr. Madigo, you still owe me two loves and one more promise. Um, d- did the Gable thing not count as a love? Oh, oh the, you told Gable is a True friend. So that that was the love. love. You've only done yeah. one. So one love, one love and one promise. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to do this? 
Where's somewhere you feel safe? Why not where we met? Travis, that is in Lower Nordia. Though it would provide its own bit of power, it is a shrine to the luminaries. All right, we'll do it. We've got time. And thankfully, I have power. But I'll need a kiss for good luck. Hmm. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> uh, the two of you kiss again, and you can feel the power surrounding Margaret envelop you. Uh, and she offers her hand to you as though she is beckoning you forward. Uh, yeah, I'll follow. She takes your hand and leads you down the gangplank and out onto the docks. As you step out from under the safety of the tarp, you don't feel any water. Even as you walk beneath the rim of the tarp, where water is raining down in heavy sheets, none of it touches your skin. It all bends and falls around you. We're under my protection now. How far does this extend? Could Are we safe from the mariner? No, no. Uh, though I really do appreciate your faith in me. I think it would take quite a bit more to turn away the blades and bullets of the mariner. But this will be enough to keep us dry and away from floodwaters. I have to say, I've never been with a man who is experienced as you. It's provided you with a lot of karmic power that I can draw on. Well, you're welcome, I suppose. As you are walking together down from uh, the areas of Upper Nordia, just moving through the abandoned streets, seeing all of the homes with hearths lit and chimneys smoking looking out across the water with these clouds that just have edges of terrible red around the droning gray over a dark sea. Margaret looks to you and asks, have you given any thought to other loves or promises? I have. Really? Uh... My final love is a different kind of love, but it's an important one to me nonetheless. And that's the love that I feel for the Forest Queen. Whoa, yes, Johnny. I'm so mad. Yes! That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Doug. (laughs) I'm so mad that Johnny's good at this. Fuck. No, do not dab on that. No, he's earned it. (laughs) He's earned it. We have to to endure it. Taz dab. (laughs) Taz Taz dab. Shut up. Is there an image of Taz dabbing anywhere? I wonder. (laughs) Yeah, I'll find one. I'll find one. Johnny, no. (laughs) Johnny, we do need your focus on other things, unfortunately. (laughs) Tell me about her. 
she's the reason I'm here. She's the reason I... lost my first love, and she's the reason I met my second love. Was she kind to you? Uh, <clears throat> well... She always, she's always kept her word, and she's protected me my whole life. I've lived without fear for almost 200 years because of her, and her love is something that I feel every day and I've spent my entire life devoted to her Margaret watches you with sad eyes as you unpack the messy tangle that is your connection to the forest queen you can feel on your finger a string. <clears throat> it is cold. And as you move your fingers to touch it, run your finger along this connection, it feels knotted like a vine curled around your... Which finger do you think it would be, actually? Hmm. Maybe uh, the thumb. Oh, Yeah curled elaborately around your thumb. I wish I could tell you that what you have said about this love is unique. That love is not supposed to behave that way. And for all people, it is a bright and happy thing. But unfortunately, many people experience loves of that kind. Not so severe, not as domineering as to haunt a person for 200 years. But love can be messy and complicated, and it can hurt us. Recognizing that there is some shred of love in there is important because it lets you know the ways that you can be hurt by this connection. I can't relieve you of it, but hopefully bringing that knowledge to the surface is enough to help you make the right decisions when you need to make them. And with that, Margaret brings your hand to her mouth and kisses your thumb. And the coolness of the connection that you felt around it fades away. It's still there, but it's less unpleasant. And with that, Travis has confessed his final love, and he just has a promise remaining. Margaret has brought you down, down the steps to the bridge that on the other side, you can see the shrine to the luminaries. 
as you move towards it, the massive amounts of puddled water and shattered earth that Jonnet has created moves back from you. You can just see it flow away from you as you cross the bridge, as you easily make your ways. Now, if you didn't have an idea for a promise, I did have a suggestion for you. Well, I I have an idea, but I'll hear yours too. Well, pick the best one. I like this. A little bit of competition definitely makes it more interesting. Travis, I think you should swear an oath to yourself. What do you mean? I believe you have lived a very difficult life in the easiest way possible for a very, very long time. I think here, with what you've done, you've shown remarkable growth, and I believe you're capable of more. I think you should promise to yourself that you will try. It will be tremendously difficult for you, and I know it will be a little painful, but I truly believe it will be worth it for you as well. And it will provide me with a great deal of power. That feels hard. (laughs) (laughs) She laughs and lets her head rest on your shoulder. Yes, it will be. In my head, my final promise would be something cool and noble like you know when I die dying when I die making sure that it means something she raises an eyebrow and lifts her head I can see the nobility in that and if you truly think of yourself as the sort of person who would throw his life away, then there could be a fair amount of power in it. But I don't know that you're that person. Do you think of yourself that way? Would I be throwing my life away? I've lived more lives than anyone could hope to live. I mean, metaphorically, yes. But, Travis, not many people go before the Forest Queen to win immortality for themselves. That's the hallmark of someone who values life very much. And on your journey, that value could have been beaten out of you. I believe you've spent a lot of time trying to convince yourself that you see life as very cheap but I felt the power when you talked about your fallen friend. And I'm not sure I believe that for you. Not really. I don't think life is cheap, but I do think that the relationship between time and value... can be an inverse one. And 
I'm just so tired. She nods. You've made your way to the shrine of the luminaries. And she enters the shrine and begins to move about the place, lighting candles that have been blown out by the storm. Water that had entered this area from the whipping rain starts to very quickly dry as the light fills the room and you can feel a warmth here. It is the warmth of an embrace. Even though the world outside is cold and horrible and full of dark portent, in here it is quiet, safe, and comfortable. Ultimately, you are going to be the best judge of yourself. I can see the value in committing yourself to die nobly. I can also advise the value in challenging yourself to do the difficult but good thing, especially when it is going to be healthy for you. And that leaves you with the question, is Travis Matigo, is William, a man who lives or a man who dies? Well, I didn't say when I would die. But it is one of the ways you are defining yourself right now. This promise will allow you to make yourself whole again, physically. And in a way, it will allow you to bring yourself some peace and make you whole spiritually. A component of that can be an oath that you swear about how you will live or an oath that you swear about how you will die. Well, I, William, will live. Her face brightens. She smiles broadly and she kisses you on the lips very quickly. I'm very happy to hear that. Lock your pinkies together. I know it seems a little silly, but you have to do it. Uh, As you do that, she puts her hands on your shoulders and helps you lower yourself to the ground in the center of a ring of candles that she's made for you. And at one end, she has put two halves of a broken changeling luminary. In one quadrant, she's put the empty bottles that you drank together to remember the heartbreaks. She has placed notes on the ground that are bound with string, representing your promises. She also wraps around your interlocked pinkies a length of ribbon. It is deep and red and very smooth to the touch. And finally, she takes some flower petals of three different colors and scatters them in the fourth quadrant, representing the loves that you have confessed. Oh, wait, you can't interlock your pinkies. You're missing a hand. I was thinking that, and I didn't want to say it. Oh, Oh, no, I'm I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) 
Casey, make, you got to leave that in because it's <laughs> so embarrassing that I forgot that because that's the whole premise oh of my this God. Uh, is that fact. Oh, I uh, stood idly by. You can hold, hold hands. I was just so caught up in the moment. Uh, hold the hands. So it's fine. It's the same. So instead... Margaret grabs your hand and pulls you inside the circle and she locks her pinky with yours. Normally, to swear a promise to yourself, you'd interlock your own pinkies, but it seems the fates have conspired to make that impossible for us. So speak your promise aloud and say it to me. I promise to live for myself. That could be disturbingly easy for you to fulfill, Matigo. So I'll need you to be a little more specific. I promise to live my life. I promise to value my life as a mortal. And with that, she takes out a length of red ribbon that is smooth to the touch and wraps it around your hands. You feel warmth and joy overwhelm you. And then easily she pulls the ribbon and it moves off of your hand and she uses it to tie around a third note that she places in the last quadrant. Now then, Do you have the spare hand? What? I believe you carry around a rabbit's foot that belonged to a changeling less fortunate than yourself. (laughs) I thought you meant mine. And I was like, no, of course not. (laughs) A bird ate it, I remember. Uh, Yeah, I have, yeah, here. As you hand it to her, uh, she grabs your hand with both of hers and she moves it down to your injured arm. You're going to need to hold out your injured arm so I can tie it in place for the time being. And as we do this, uh, she rolls up your sleeve and holds out your arm towards herself. She begins to undo your the bandages on you. She doesn't make eye contact with you. You can tell that she's wrestling with something difficult. Am I removing your curse as well? Well, if I want to keep my promise, you will. She freezes and looks into your eyes. What do you mean? The promise to Gable that we won't die alone. (laughs) Did did they not tell you? Not tell me what? Travis, that's, that's not within my power. I, I, I did my best to investigate, but whatever curse has been laid upon your friend that makes them what they are is far beyond my power. They lied. She looks to the petals that are 
on the floor and sees them wilt slightly. <sighs> they did. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Do you love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, one Shot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y. Or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.